Okay, so we got Cal Rich, True Mylan, Mike Ritchie here, and uh, you know, we're gonna just hang out, talk a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, dive into some stories hopefully, and uh, just see what's up, you know? So for the people out there that don't know who you are, go into like the elevator pitch about who you are, what you're into, things like that. Okay, cool. So my name is Cal. Um, I'm like the scrappiest person you could ever meet. Um, I started my entrepreneurial journey, I, I guess you could say, at 16 years old and haven't really stopped it since. Um, my first business, I was a party thrower. So I got tons and tons of kids from my hometown here in, in Utah, Provo, Orem, all the little local cities and started throwing events and bringing people together. And that grew massively, you know, to the point where we were bringing a lot of people together. Um, and I was hungry for more entrepreneurial experience. So I took myself to New York and adventured in the East Coast for a little while. Um, and I guess you could say leveled up my game as far as, you know, I felt like I had kind of an understanding um, of some of the intuitive principles that come with entrepreneurship as you just kind of flow through it and go through it. But going out to New York and starting businesses out there and doing stuff like that really gave me a, an opportunity to connect the dots and turn some of those intuitive things into like foundational principles that I was able to use to now grow my business, my current business, which, you know, I do marketing and have a whole bunch of other stuff that's kind of brewing up in me right now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I guess that's kind of an intro. I'm just a scrappy entrepreneur, um, you know, that that builds stuff and brings stuff from nothing to something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so uh, for everyone out here that doesn't know, when Cal says he throws parties, he's not talking about 20 people, little house party. <laughs> I'm saying because, you know, as a uh, Utah, former Utah resident, um, pretty much everybody went to your parties. They were like yeah. the party. Like in high school, like, I mean, there were other a couple of like, you know, random events like Gatsby or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was like, you know, your parties were the ones that it was like, people made sure that they wanted. Like that Which was like, crazy to think about, you know, because at the end of the day, the parties were literally just an opportunity for people to get outside the normal weekend thing, which here in Utah is nothing, mm -hmm. you know. So if you can create some sort of opportunity for people to like come together in the masses and at least have a chance of experiencing something that's adventurous and fun and out there mm -hmm. while still having a controlled environment, to where you know people are safe and you know not out getting into trouble and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like that's really why things kind of took off the way that they did here in Utah because um, there wasn't a lot. There's, yeah, and, and in high school you're in this kind of weird phase where you're just kind of like trying to figure yourself out, trying to figure out who your friends are and like coming together in a room with 5,000 people and like having the opportunity to maybe kiss someone or like whatever it might be for the night just kind of gives you a rush, a sense of adrenaline that it's could be kind of hard to find elsewhere in Utah. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, that's probably where the majority, like the desire was out there, you yeah. know, the desire. And I was just lucky enough to, you know, I didn't even really recognize it in the moment, but, you know, create something that um, had some synergy with that desire, you know, mm -hmm. that people, you know, is already out there. You know, you create something that kind of plays into that desire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was lucky to be able to do that. But at the same time, it was kind of, uh, like it was kind of hard coming out of that, yeah. you know, kind of com coming out of that, uh, that whole, uh, 
brand of just like the party dude, yeah. you know? That so was kind of like that the, goes into another question I have is because I know you, you've kind of rebranded yourself a few times. Uh, and so talk about that, like that um, transition of like you were throwing parties, people knew you as that type of guy to throw parties. And sure. then you transitioned to, I want to go out to New York. And what was like kind of the resistance you're feeling and like mm -hmm. uh, how you were able to make that transition? Because yeah. like, I'm sure a lot of people doubted or they thought that you were leaving it all behind or like uh -huh. you were uh, losing a good opportunity with all the parties here in Utah to go out to New York or something like that. Yeah, so. which is definitely the case. And like I, there was like a lot of resistance and which is totally understandable because I didn't even know what I was doing going to New York. You know, it was just kind of like this inclination that I had, this, this pull, you know, that I couldn't really explain to anyone. Um, so I started, I started kind of, you know, creating a confirmation bias for myself and right. saying like, okay, what can I, what elements can I create to make it to where I have to go to New York, you know, to where like, this is now a confirmation. Yeah. Like now I'm, now I have to do this. Yeah. So I started looking for outlets, you know, and I saw a few lanes, you know, but they weren't completely open. And so for me, what really, really sparked that overall is that I felt like I was just drowning in repetitiveness, you know? Yeah, this routine of just like, and I didn't, I didn't really have money management skills. I didn't have like, I, I was hungry to understand like fundamental business principles, right? You can throw a party and have 5,000 kids show up and, you know, charge five, 10, 15 bucks a piece and make a lot of money. But without the money management skills and like the understanding of how to take that money and invest it into, you know, vessels and vehicles that are going to grow you more, then you're kind of just throwing a party, making 20, 30 grand, waiting three, four, five months. And then when the money gets low, you throw another party, you know? So that was kind of like the pattern that I saw myself start to kind of get into and I didn't like it. And I, and a lot of other people started to kind of throw parties as well. And a lot of other groups started to kind of formulate and conglomerates. Um, so that, like for me, I guess one of the things that I just recently realized about myself is the desire to like be unique and like to kind of have my own thing to bring to the world. And as soon as that kind of started to get tarnished, I did I felt like I was, I felt like I was competing with, for something that I didn't even really want, yeah. you know? So that's kind of what sparked me going to New York. And um, yeah, there was a lot of like doubt. There's a lot of people just kind of thinking that it was me running away from you know, this version of myself that I created. And if they think that, that's the absolute truth, you know? I wanted to go find myself and I wanted to go understand some of the things that were out there in the world, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of like the, what pushed me, the, what pushed the transition. Um, but the one single most thing is like, I'm not afraid to leave anything I've built, regardless of how big it is. If I'm not happy and if I'm not, um, creating a version of myself and designing the life that I want to live, then um, I just leave, you know, and I just get myself out of the situation. And sometimes it's actually affecting me negatively to like pick up and leave and get myself out of a situation that, you know, but the, the thing that it taught me is the power of intention, you know, and just sitting there and, and thinking to yourself before you start something, you know, what is my intention behind this? Because everything that I've started, and you guys too, you guys know this, like okay. things actually do go on, like go for you sometimes. Things actually work out in your favor a lot of times. And we're always focused on the question of like, what if, the, what if this doesn't work out? What if this doesn't? But how about the other side of the question? Mm -hmm. What if this actually works? 
and now your life is consumed by this thing. You know what I'm saying? And what if it works so well that you have no way to run and it's there forever now and you feel trapped, you know? And I've felt that so many times throughout my life and we're creatures of habits, you know? So if, unless you can analyze those things and analyze those patterns, then you just continue to repeat them, you know? So I hope that, you know, me kind of transforming my, my brand or whatever you want to call it is just a reflection of just me getting out there thinking I want this particular version of myself, achieving it just to realize that I never really wanted that and I want something else, mm-hmm. you know? And, and frankly, like, you know, it's fulfilling to do the work and stuff, but that's what I love is that process of like discovering truth, seeking truth, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's kind of. Uh-huh. I feel like every time you, you transition and go to a new version of yourself, it's not like just simply like you're changing completely 100%. It's like you're bringing some of the stuff with you, like and layering it on, like growing and changing into a new evolution almost. Mm-hmm. And so like every uh, phase of your life has served you in some way to get you to the next one, I feel like. And mm-hmm. it's like, um, yeah, moving forward, it's just going to keep being that way for you. Yeah, and it's cool that there's like those things that, that kind of stick with you, even though you don't really recognize them because everything's happening kind of slow and it just vicariously, you know, just happens throughout your day that you don't really realize these changes that you're starting to kind of develop and mm-hmm. having be a part of you. But it's also so hard too because like, you know, you, you, you think of yourself as a certain type of way. And anytime you go through a, a rebranding or a, a, an awakening of who you really want to be, it's like the most depressing thing ever. It's an identity crisis. It is. It's like, it's a horrible identity crisis. And, I, and I've been through that so many times, you know, like just thinking that the work that I had put in the last two years, you know, what was it all for? Asking myself those questions and it's really sad and it leaves you in a place of, of question and doubt, you know, yeah. which is a good place actually, you know, and, and pain is what creates that change, but it's definitely, it's hard, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. It's, it's a lonely road, you know? Totally. So um, I want to kind of go back into your story and talk about the transitional period from, you know, leaving Utah for the oh. first time, going out to New York, talk a little bit about, like, why you initially went out there and, you know, some of the things that happened. Because I know, like, this, I know a little bit of the story and, like, it's pretty cool, so I'd love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of like synchronicities and things that happened that, um, you know, confirmed that I was in the right, going in the right direction at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I decided here in Utah at probably like right, right when I turned 18, I graduated high school a year early. I was supposed to graduate in 2016. I graduated in 2015. So while everyone else was graduating in um, 16, I was kind of putting my game plan together of what I wanted for my life, you know, and I didn't know what that was, but I started, I knew that I needed mentorship and I needed guidance. And mentors have been a part of my life since, you know, I was 16 and started my first business. And I knew that that was required for me to kind of get to the next level. So I started looking for like, you know, thought leaders and people that are entrepreneurs that, you know, have built a good brand for themselves and things like that. And I just started like going crazy messaging them and figuring out how I could get in contact and maybe get some of their time. And it's funny because Gerard, who I, you know, ended up, you know, scoring, which I'll talk about in a minute, was one of the few people that I had initially messaged, you know. 
but he was he was still kind of new into the game of building his personal brand after he had just barely got done with Elite Daily and stuff yeah. like that. And for those of you guys who don't know Gerard, um, he's a super awesome serial entrepreneur who has been a mentor to me, and you know mentor his both yeah he's super awesome, yeah. super cool dude, and Hopefully he's we'll had, have him on. yeah <laughs> yeah Gerard <laughs> you're next. <laughs> Uh, yeah so um so yeah Gerard's super cool so I decided um after you know identifying his brand and kind of seeing who he was as a person and you know I obviously I couldn't see the depth of who he really was through social media and stuff but I could get a feel that he was a good guy and that he had good intention and that he was successful and he had the things and the lifestyle that I wanted to achieve um so I decided okay I want to meet this dude and that and that was it I, I decided that um, and then my mind with, you know, our brains as being problem-solving machines started just coming up with formulas and ideas on how I could, you know, make this thing which I committed to become a reality. Um, so I decided, okay, I need to go visit New York, scope out the area, see if I can maybe get a meeting with Gerard or, some, or something. I, you know, I'd know, I knew he'd live there. That was basically it. Um, and I'd reached out on social media, but hadn't really got much of a response. Um, and it wasn't anything personal. I was just like some kid from Utah <laughs> messaging him from all the way to New York. He doesn't know who I am. So I, I went to um, New York that, that week, and um, I was staying in a hostel in, on Bowery Street, which is downtown in like the Soho area. And it was the first time I had ever been in New York, and it was like an incredible experience. I was all by myself, and I was just meeting people, having meals with people, and just really trying to ride that high vibe, you know, just trying to like stay in good spirits and just, you know, help people where I could. Um, and like four days had passed and I hadn't like, I had one single interaction with Gerard on Instagram, nothing, you know? So I was starting to get a little down on myself. And um, my friend called me, his name is Helaman, and he called me and he's like, hey Cal, um, have you seen Gerard's latest post on Instagram? So. I went and checked it out, and it turns out that Gerard was doing a giveaway that night, which was like crazy. I don't even know how those stars really aligned, but he was giving away <laughs> two New York City Knicks tickets, and I remember this so vividly because I just like shot up out of my bed, like in my hostel, and it had to have been like 4 or 5 p.m. at this time, and um, so I just assembled the troops. Like I got everyone I could from Utah, like that had supported me in, in my entrepreneurial stuff here and the parties and everything like that. And I basically just, um, dude, I remember you posting saying, everybody go comment on Gerard's <laughs> photo saying, uh, give it to Cal, give it to Cal, give it to Cal. And I remember going through the comments on Gerard's post and every single one was like, cow, 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 cow. Dude, I, I literally shit you not. That experience dude was one of like, it's when I like really, had like the deepest appreciation for people that didn't know me that you know like the fact that people would go out of their way to like go out and help me and like and that it actually worked yeah you know that Gerard like saw all these things and like it clicked in his mind to say like oh this kid is, he might be worth these tickets you know what I'm saying and the way that all that happened it was like such a special moment to me hence why like that day I got a, a tattoo right here just to kind of like mark that time mark that moment just just so I could look back and remember, like, the way things flowed, you know, because it wasn't normal. It wasn't yeah. something, it was, like, there was some sort of 
you know, something helping me out, yeah. you know, whether you want to call it God, the source, whatever you want to call it, yeah. I was being looked after, you know, yeah. and I started to kind of, you know, feel that. Um, and so, yeah, I won the tickets and I showed up to Gerard's apartment. It was right by Madison Square Garden um, where Gerard was living at the time. And I was late. My cab, I hopped in a cab to get there and it took me across the, the bridge to oh. Brooklyn. Yeah, so I was downtown. It takes, me, it takes me all the way across the bridge. I'm halfway on the bridge and realizing that I'm not going in the right direction. And Madison Square Garden is like up near 34th up, Street. Yeah, so I'm going the opposite direction. Yeah. And Gerard is like calling me saying, hey, dude, like I need to get to dinner. You know, I have some stuff. So I was like so, I was freaking out because this is my only opportunity to meet this dude. And I'm showing up like 20 minutes late mm-hmm. when, you know, he has a dinner to be at and stuff. But I make it there. And I explained the story. Luckily, he believed me, you know, because um, it was true. And uh, yeah, and I was just like, what? Like, so when I showed up, I got the tickets, but I really didn't care about the tickets. I was just like, dude, just give me 10 minutes of your time, please. Like, and he's like, dude, I don't have 10 minutes. Like, you're late, you know. So he said, I'm going to dinner. But if you can show up to my apartment in the morning around 730, then um, we can talk and chop it up and like, you know, so I, at that point, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. So he goes to dinner, and I just take the two tickets and go to the Knicks game by myself. <laughs> and I'm just, yeah, just sitting there just, like, watching the Knicks play, like, not even really processing what's going on on the court, but just thinking to myself, like, wow, mm-hmm. like, this actually happened, you know? And, um, and then the next morning, I show up, and um, I remember I go up to his apartment, and we, we talked for a little while, or no, yeah, and then and then Lewis House shows up. <laughs> then Lewis House shows up, and I'm just like, what? And then Steve Weatherford shows up. And if you guys don't know Lewis House, he's like a thought leader, super awesome podcaster. Yeah, he's like awesome, Lewis House. Yeah, written many books, an author. And then Steve Weatherford, who is a former Giants Super Bowl champion, right? Um, and there was actually a few other people there kind of in the mix too. Yep, we went to Vander Media that day. It was like the most yeah, that's crazy like day. Yeah, for, uh, first day hanging out with Gerard. Dude, it blew my mind. And the fact that he would just bring me in like that and just say, "Dude, like, come in, kind of take a ride with me." Like, you know, we just hopped in a taxi and just there we were off. You know, we went to the Gray Dog, which is like this cool little cafe downtown, and you know, we were eating there. I was, ex- I didn't even really know who Steve Weatherford and Lewis Howes were. You know, so yeah. it was just. I kind of put the pieces together later on. Um, Dude, I didn't know anybody in the entrepreneur space. And I would summarize, like, my whole time, like, working with Gerard as just, like, Gerard, like, all right, come on. And we're just, like, on the Gerard train. Isn't it so cool that he does that and he just lets you just ride? Like, it's, it's, and it's such a fast, like, boom, like. Because you're just used to your lifestyle and then all of a sudden, like, you're just, boom, in this life where big money, big entrepreneurship, you know, big business deals, like, you know, you're meeting awesome people. It's just insane, yeah, you know? Yeah, I know. It's wild. Dude, so. I mean, like, there were times where, like, it'd be like, Truman and I are, you know, flying above New York City in a helicopter with no doors on it, hanging off the edge, you know, filming with supermodel Alexis Wren. I was and so then, jealous when that happened. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dude, but then we land... And then get to our car, the battery's dead, we gotta jump it, and we're still sitting in the parking lot in our dead car while Gene and Alexis are off in his Range Rover. Oh, it was just, it's, 
like such think, a weird uh, like ups and down thing because it was like one day we're in Gerard's lifestyle and then the, we get off of it and we're like in our normal lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, it's so wild. Go to, yeah, it's just like such and, a wild ride. And people on social media like always would only see you know the helicopter ride, mm-hmm. not the jumping the car. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, who yeah. posts a picture of you know Truman jumping the car versus you know yeah, being in a helicopter? Yeah, yeah. And so everyone in their heads are always like DMing us and how do I live the life you live? I'm like, go find a mentor. Go find a Gerard. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. That's the difference between like a good mentor and a, and a great mentor is like a good mentor will kind of tell you the way and like, you know, point his finger in certain directions. Yeah. But then a great mentor will say, give me your hand, mother effer. Yeah. Let's go and take you into the fire, you know, and and show you how things really are, you know? And I feel like Gerard is always that type to like, just grab you and just pull you into the fire and you're in it now, you know? Gerard just really uh, like showed me what's possible. Like my lifestyle was down here and it was just like, not even in the terms of like wealth and money and all that stuff, it was just like experiences. Mm -hmm. Like he's out here having dinners with interesting people, not just like rich and famous people, but like interesting people that have like gone around all like so many countries of the world and traveled all these places and had like meaningful conversations with other people from other cultures like he's such a interesting individual and he like thrives on experiences and all that stuff and that was something that wasn't that uh common for me you yeah. know mm-hmm. especially when i was like when i first arrived to gerard to, like it was like i want to make money money money, money mm-hmm. you know but now it's just like there's another level to it past the money it's like experiences and Yeah, and there's so much perspective, like, I'm sure, I I know for myself, and like, I'm not going to speak for you guys, but just the the perspective to be able to just step into that for a second and then hop back out, man, it's just so cool. It gives you just kind of a worldly understanding of, you know, from the highs and the lows, you know, when you, you know, trying to afford a ham and cheese sandwich and then, you know, going to experience a five-star dinner, you know, it's, it's cool and it gives you that, you know. I know. When we were like really in it, I was talking to Mike and I was like where when else in history has someone gone from like that lifestyle to like the same day yachts private jets like and then back down it's like I bet that messes with your emotional like yeah especially constantly experiences like that uh over the course of you know yeah almost two years of just like all right today we're uh you know flying on a private jet to Miami Uh and uh Oh, next day we're getting jumped or something. Yeah. <laughs> literally like one day i got jumped and then within a week we were in miami at art basel at one of the biggest arts and musics yeah. in the world i was like what is this my face hasn't even healed yet yeah. I, still got, like, a, I still got a swollen lip i can't even eat sushi without like pain. dude that's so interesting it's just so cool you know to see how you can have that perspective and it, and you have to fight to get that you know you have to go like you, you can't just walk into that and like I'm sure maybe some people do just by luck of the draw but you know you got to fight to be in the position to go around you know I know when I was around Gerard that was one of the things that I definitely felt all the time was like that competitive ecosystem of like you got to do your work and you got to make sure it's done right and yeah. you know if you want to be around in this kind of you know, ecosystem, then you need to perform like it. So that's kind of like the un, the unseen side of things, you know, that, um, you know, 
that you have to do the work to get there and you have to continue to fill, fulfill the work. I remember so many days where you guys were literally just like frying your eyeballs, sitting there, what seemed to be like 40 hours straight, just putting in work, you know, whether it's editing, whether it's shooting, like just on that constant grind, you know, and I feel like that's where a lot of people have the misconception, you know, it's because like, you know, the work that you guys put in, 99% of people just aren't down to do it, you know, you know, like they're just, eh, not my type, you know, not my type of work. Um, But you guys were able to see kind of the bigger picture and like, you know, kind of able to turn some of those, um, those things around you that were value into a form of currency, you know, that you guys could take in exchange for the extra amount of work that maybe your pay or whatever, you know, there's, there's other forms out there, you know, and it takes special people to accept that and recognize them and you know, work for them. Yeah. So, so what were some of the other things that you learned while you're out there? Because when you're in New York and living in uh, Jersey with us too, that was uh, one of the, if not the first times you've been away from family and uh-huh. on your own and like really like you were the, like we had Gerard, but you were the only one that like really had your destiny and your grips at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So like, what was that feeling like having a sole responsibility of like your future you know? yeah and i it's that's a hard question because some days i felt like the highest highs and then other days i felt like the lowest lows yeah. you know for me the whole experience was um it was just about learning more about myself you know but un- initially going out there i felt like i had something to prove you know and it really hurt me in the long run. I'm happy that I was feeling that way because obviously I can look back and learn from it. But originally when I touched down in New York, like my goal was, it was with the thought of how people perceive me through their eyes. You know, that was, that's how I was looking at my goals. I was trying to think, okay, does this goal look good enough to other people? Yeah. And if I complete this goal, does it look good to people? Mm-hmm. You know? so. I, I was kind of on this treadmill of just like trying to just put stuff together that I thought was um, going to be big or like hit big or, you know, so I could have that like success. Cause that was my only thing. Like I want to go to New York and I want to get filthy rich and I want to, you know, get powerful. And, you know, and these were all kind of my thoughts cause that's what I thought the world wanted to see out of me, you know? Um, and after about a year and a, or a year and a half of working at Founders with Gerard in New Jersey and stuff like that, I made a transition into New York City and um, basically, you know, in, in a you know, good fashion, ended my working relationship at Founders and the whole ecosystem that Gerard had created. And it wasn't anything personal, but I felt like, you know, once again, that I was kind of in this stagnant place and that I had to go out and prove myself for other people again, you know, so I made my way to the city. Um, but yeah, that's what I felt is just like this, this immense amount of like pressure. Um, and I don't know if it's like where we come from in Utah or like just the fact that everyone's always up in each other's business or like, I don't know if that has something to do with it. Um, but that was definitely like what was on my mind going out there and family and stuff was like important and I care for family deeply. Um, but my main focus was like, but build something and I want to build it and I want to build it awesomely. And it was so funny because like everything I tried to build basically failed, <laughs> you know? So it was like, it was such a big um, wake up moment for me, yeah, you know? And, 
Yeah. So what were some of those like projects that you were working on mm -hmm. while in New York? Cool. So one of the projects that I had started was basically, um, I, well, it was drop shipping when it was kind of starting to kind of get, yeah, starting to kind of get to the masses a little bit. Um, and I kind of had this idea that, you know, that things are so quick, you know, virality, you know, products can be hot one day and not the other day. So the goal was to just focus only on the viral aspects of um, product um, in the, and relate it to the fashion world. So, you know, viral, trendy fashion that was quickly consumed, low cost, drop shipped and, you know, low logistical pressure for me. So that was kind of my goal. And I built a team. I raised money. You know, like I went the whole caboozle, you know, like freaking, I think I raised like five grand, um, yeah, or maybe even more and put everything together. And um, that's, that was like one of my first big failures because um, my team, we ended up having some problems. We all had like personal issues that all kind of arose like right at that point in time. Yeah. And um, we all just kind of like lost interest and we all lost this like motivation that brought us together. And after that, I felt like, holy crap, my life, like I have nothing to show for being in New York right now, you know? And I was still kind of tinkering around at Founders and trying to be involved, but halfway. So I was like, I just need to make a big move. And you actually, Mike, introduced me to Donato, which is an, a connection in New York City um, that I was able to, you know, foster and formulate and continue to follow up with that. Um, I, when I left New Jersey, I ended up um, getting into business with Donato, and we started a vacation rental management business, um, and that's where things started to finally click for me, and things started to like... Yeah, those were yeah. just some nice apartments, because I, I was lucky enough to be able to stay in, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of them, you know, for a few nights, and like, I'm talking the best view of New York, the... Like, I would rank this apartment probably as, like, one of the top ten apartments in all of, like, Manhattan. Yeah, they're pretty nice. Mostly, like, it has a beautiful balcony with this crazy view. And, like, even, like, in the bedroom that I was sleeping in, laying in bed at night, the wall is just all these windows around this corner. Empire State, State Building. Empire right State Building right in the middle. And if you want to, you can go to the roof of the building, which mm -hmm. is how many floors? 32? Yeah, 35 floors. 35 yeah. floors up top. Yeah, it was, it was honestly amazing. And when I went to New York, I just, you know, had, I had a relationship with Donato and that was basically it, you know, and our agreement was like, let's try to build something together. Mm -hmm. So he would invest in the properties and I would make sure that they're filled with, you know, high level guests. Um, and eventually that business grew really, really big. It grew so fast and so rapidly. Um, and it was cool. I learned a lot and I started to move out friends from Utah to New York and, started to just add mountains of responsibility to my shoulders, you know? And um, it was really cool. And I started making the best money I'd probably ever made in my life, you know? And no one in Utah really even knew what was going on, you know? And, and I, at, at this point, I kind of started to, you know, gain some assumptions for myself about the negative effects of social media. And I started, so I started like posting less and like engaging less. And starting to kind of look at it more as like a game, you know, yeah. that you can play with and have fun and like, yeah, and, yeah, and, and have fun with it. Yeah. 
Um, so that's what I was doing, and the, the business grew rapidly. We, we got to 25 apartments prior to me leaving New York City. Um, and then again, just one of those moments where like, huge wake up call, mm -hmm. dude, you hate your life, you know? Just depressed, you know? There's, yeah. there's no other way to put it. I was so sad at the fact that I wasn't happy doing what I was doing, you know? And it sucked because all my, all the dreams and goals that I had put out there, I had reached. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the issue. Like uh -huh. I had moved to New York City. I had, I was living right on 33rd Street. I was, you know, I had money, I had a business, I had my friends living with me, yet I still felt empty inside, like so empty. And I remember, you know, making like a promise and agreement to myself saying, you know what, like there's no business, there's no anything, there's no project that's worth sacrificing your happiness for mm -hmm. at all. There's nothing, you know, because at the end of the day, you only have one of these things called life, you know. And, and you only get one shot at it. And you can waste it, you know, doing things that you're half passionate about to go get yourself, you know, a Gucci shirt or to get yourself some of the materialistic things. Or you can literally just sit down and focus and think for three months and gather thought energy and just gather it. And then think to yourself, what is the, what is the thing I want to do very, very most? And why do I want to do it? You start to, you know, you start to uncover these questions and start to ask yourself, why, 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 why? And then uh, if you're lucky, within a few months, you can kind of start to wrap your head around what you think you want mm -hmm. next, yeah. you know? And, but it, my point is, is that each step of the way, I'm gaining more and more intention, you know? I'm thinking about the intention more and more because I realize that, dude, the shit I do works, you know? And, and you guys know this just as much as I do. Manifestation is real. You know, you're able to literally alter this reality with your thoughts mm -hmm. and, and do it in your favor. You know, and I'm, a, I'm like blown away by this because mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm going through my life and I'm, one day I'm in New York and I just realized that everything that has ever happened to me entrepreneurially has all been a manifest. Mm -hmm. It's me deciding I want something and sure, there's work. You're not just going to write this down on a piece of paper. But Jim Carrey says it the best. He's like, take the time to see it in your mind, right? Open the door in your mind. Mm -hmm. And then when the door opens in real life, just walk through it. Mm -hmm. Just walk through it. And that's, that's what we do, yeah. you know? That's really what we do. Yeah. And, and I started realizing this, and this is like when I really had this like wake-up moment. And like from now on... The projects that I work on are global. Like the things that I'm thinking about are, are change the world type things, you know, because that's what's going to fulfill me. That's what's going to make me jump out of bed screaming every morning. It's not going to be me going, you know, and no offense to anyone in hospitality, but it's not me going to check someone into their, you know, five-star luxury apartment, right? Yeah. That, and these are the types of things that I didn't know. I just thought I wanted money. But money is pointless, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely pointless. There's, there's nothing for it unless, you know, if you're driven by materialistic things, sure, you can go buy a Bentley, you can go buy these things, but what are you really after the money for, yeah. you know? There's been times where I've been broke for six months straight and I feel the same way as when I have money, yeah. you know? It's like, and I tweeted this, it's like getting into rhythm can be awfully close to getting into a rut, mm -hmm. you know, because 
you, you go through this and you're, you're thinking that you're making strides and stuff, but then you realize that you're in the same place that you were six months or a year ago, yeah. you know, because you got into this rhythm that may not have been ideal for you. So it's just constant, constantly analyzing yourself and understanding what you want and staying true to that, you yeah. know, and just mm -hmm. building and, and having, having the courage to see out your, your, the things that appear in here and bringing them to real life. The same way you guys have done with this podcast. Because no one is going to push you through that door. You gotta walk through that door. Yeah. You see it. Yeah, Absolutely. No one is gonna be there to get you to do that. Absolutely. And how many doors are open all the time, all around us, that we miss? You know, tons. tons. And and that just opens your up, up your mind to think about it. You know, like there are so many things, and the ones that you do miss are just, um, they're there, this, you know, they have just as much benefit as the ones that you do hit and go walk through. Mm -hmm. But it's just interesting to think about, oh, what if I did this versus what if I did this? Like, yeah. there's no right answer in this world because you could be thinking to yourself, you know, if I went this route, maybe I can make a lot of money. But if I went this route, maybe I find the mother of my child or something along those lines, right? And none of them are good or bad. They're just different, you know? And so that's, that's always an interesting thing rolling through my mind. It's like, you know, the, the doors that we walk through throughout our days, they're deciding our destiny and our fate, you know? And there's no way to really change that, you know? But it's always interesting to think about what would happen otherwise, yeah. you know? Even though it might not be healthy. <laughs> uh, what you're saying makes me think of a quote. I bet both of you know it. Gerard says it all the time. It's a quote from Tony Robbins. It's like Gerard's yeah, quote. I know it. What is it? Success, Success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Success without fulfillment is there the ultimate go. failure. And it's damn right. And I wish, like, if anyone is listening right now, just try to listen. Like, if you can't process those words and you just can't, like, understand them, just try to think about them and just try to, like, sit with them and just try to understand. And it's really hard because that's just one thing about being an entrepreneur or trying to get advice from people. It's like, how many times did someone tell me this to my face before I went out and had to learn it myself? You know, if I would have just taken the time to listen, to try to just think to myself and feel it, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. You know, just think about it and just hone, hone in on that. You know, because if you can feel that, then you'll actually work in you know synergy with it yeah it'll resonate with you but if you just listen to it and say oh yeah that's a cool quote by tony robbins da, 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 then guess what you're going to be successful without fulfillment and you're going to be so depressed and you're going to be looking back at that quote and saying ah i should have listened and smiling and just laughing at yourself like i've done hundreds of times you know so many lessons people just tell me when i'm 16 years old that now 21 i learn it it connects the dot, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. I'm such a fucking idiot, bro. I'm such an idiot. And then I go back to those people. I'm like, I should have listened. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> okay, so I kind of want to rewind the story a little bit. Mm -hmm. Back to, so you go to New York, uh, Nick's tickets, mm -hmm. uh, kick it with Gerard for a full day, yep. hang out with Steve Weatherford, you know, uh, go to VaynerMedia, do all this stuff. Um, what what happens at next? What's after that? So Gerard, um, I was pressing Gerard super hard at that because I had stayed out there a few more days after that. Uh 
and continued to hang out and like do work for him. I remember like the second day that I was there, I showed up to his apartment and he told me that he wanted a uh, like chalk paint on his walls in his apartment. So I literally just started painting his whole entire apartment. I didn't finish it and I did a hell of a shitty job, but I, I attempted it and I tried it, you know, which hopefully counted for something, I guess. I don't know. Um, so yeah, but I was pressing Gerard to like, oh yeah, yeah, this is what was happening. So Gerard was leaving to South by Southwest at the end of that week. And there was a little bit of discussion on whether or not that I was going to go, like, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thinking to myself, wow. and Jeff was there too. That's when I met Jeff, which was cool. I didn't end up going, and Gerard was like, go back to Utah, and then in a few months, um, you know, we'll try to get you back out here working on a project or something along those lines. Keep in mind, Founders, which is Gerard's entrepreneurial ecosystem, was not yet created at that point in time. Yeah. And Gerard was still living in New York versus New Jersey. This was in like February-ish mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. 2016. 16. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Feb or maybe. Cause I remember like literally, I remember watching your stories throughout this whole experience from like a Snapchat perspective of like, what's Cal doing in New York today? I was like excited to like, because yeah, you cool. kept updating your stories. I was like, oh, what's Cal doing in New York today? I, in my head, I was like still going to school because I didn't graduate until April of that year, so two months after. Wow, yeah, so that's, that's what I was doing, you know, just going around. And then I went back to Utah. Gerard said, hey, come back out whenever, you know, I have projects for you, whatever. So I was posted, and I did one last event, which was like a carnival party, um, where I had like bounce houses and stuff. And that was on like May 29th. And Gerard, I think he had told me like at the end of May, you know, it was like the time. So what did I do when I came back to Utah? I was like, I started telling everybody, dude, I'm moving to New York at the end of May, like straight up, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you all Utah people, but I'm moving to New York, you know? And um, so May is approaching and I throw this bit, I, I'm putting this event together because I figure myself, if I can get one last, you know, little bank check yeah. before I can get out there, it'd be cool, you know? Um, so I put the party together and it's like May 25th. I haven't heard anything from Gerard at all. And like, I've been hitting him up for like nothing yet. I have like, I have everyone breathing down my neck saying like, dude, I got to see you before you move like in a few days. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, I really got to move now. So right at the end of like, right when my party passed, I went and booked my ticket, which was like May 29th. And I booked it for like two days out. Yeah. So. And was it a one way? It was a one way. What? Yeah, it was a one way. <laughs> yep. And then I literally just, it was, it was in my mind, it was already sold. Like I already had it all, you know, even though I had nothing, I had no idea where I was going to stay. I had like a couple grand, you know, from the party. Like I was not prepared yeah. to go and embark on this journey. So I book, I get a one way. Then I just fly out there and basically just start hitting up Gerard saying, dude, I'm here and I'm here for good. <laughs> I'm here to stay, man, you know? And um, it was cool, like he invited me in and at that point was starting to get everything put together for founders in Newark, New Jersey. So like the week that I moved out there is like the week that I think he got the building for founders or maybe two weeks 
prior to me going out there. He got the building. And that was the same time that Adam and I, mm -hmm. with my grandpa and my uncle, so flew out to New York because I was like, I'm a photographer and I've never been to New York. And, and you were graduating? I was graduating and it was my birthday. And so I was like, let's go to New York. Go out in New York and it happens to literally be like the week that I'm there. We, I, we went for like two weeks actually. Mm -hmm. But um, the second week of the two weeks was when you were moving in to like Harlem with some Turkish dude. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that we, yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, I was staying in, I was staying in Harlem in an Airbnb for the first like few weeks that I had touched down because I didn't know like what Gerard's situation was. Um, so yeah, I was staying on an air mattress, laying next to some Turkish dude every night, you know, like the, on a living room, just full of air mattress after air mattress after air mattress. So how much per night was that place? That place had to have been like 25 bucks a night. Okay. Yeah, maybe 30 bucks a night, you know? Yeah. It was super cheap. And, but I liked Harlem, it was cool. I think, it was, you know, rolling up there and like seeing culture and yeah. meeting people and making a few friends in like the apartment building or whatever. Yeah. It was kind of cool. I remember the first memory is like, I got there, it was like nighttime-ish, and the Turkish dude was like, you wanna go get dinner? I'm like, sure, and he just, we go out, and he like purchases something, and then we get out of the store, and he just bought a full chicken, <laughs> a fully cooked chicken, and he's like, all right, let's go back. I was like, all right, dude. So we had a full, a full chicken that night, which is kinda cool. Yeah, so that was, that was like a crazy moment in time for us, because it was for like, the stars definitely like aligned. It was do totally meant to be. Yeah. You were visiting for you know the two weeks, and I saw that, right? And, yeah. Or some we got connected and was just like, "Yo, what's up? How are you?" Type thing. Yeah. And because we were friends before this, but not like super tight because yeah. like I'd known you for a long time, and like Cal is just friends with everybody. Cal was like the nicest dude, like, and so I remember you stood out to me because you were one of like the cool popular kids, and you like I remember like a specific memory being at Strawberry Days, and uh, I did like you like said what up to me, and I was like, he's talking to me, and we like you know chopped it up for a minute, and I was like wow that's like really cool that like you said what up because. That same period, I was like transitioning schools. I had no friends or anything, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Cal remembers my name." What? It's two-way street, though. I feel the same way with all my peeps, bro. It's just like I got so much love, dude. I'm just a love bug, you know. So I'm so happy that, first off, that we were able to form that initial connection that gave us the kind of uh, leeway to, yeah, the recognition to be like, "Yo, what's up? Like, you're in New York. I'm in New York." Uh -huh. Type thing. Yeah. And you were staying where in the city? I think we were staying in like Midtown somewhere. Midtown. Because I remember we were at the Dream Hotel, and that's where I think the first like, or was that? Yeah, like that was the first. So, I think we were actually staying in the Marriott in uh, Times Square, if I remember right. But, but no, no, I'm, I'm talking, talking about, about Gerard. Gerard. Oh, Gerard, so Gerard was like living in the Dream Hotel. Okay, okay yeah, and, and that's, that's where I remember the first like shoot and the, like type thing, thing against like with the, the wall and those cans. Dude, he still posts those photos. Dude, dude that's he so. Those them. those photos were, dude, excellent. Mm -hmm. I, dude, that whole thing because I was, I really hadn't really like paid attention to your work all that much, uh -huh. but when you came out, dude, like it was straight like, oh yeah, I know this guy and he's awesome. Like, 
I was just basically putting my neck out, you know, yeah. for my own benefit, you know, Try and also for, yeah, and if I could hook you up with some value too, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then you show up, dude, and you blow everybody's minds, bro. Everyone is sitting there like, Gerard's just like, dude, these photos are amazing, bro. Mike killed this. Yeah. Like, we need to have, and that was Gerard's, like, planning. Then at that point, Gerard is like, dude, we need this kid to be a part of the team. Yeah. For sure. That was like that was like that moment where just poof, everything kind of mm-hmm. which was crazy. Dude, that that's like a day where I'm like pat myself on the back. I'm Dude. like, Mike, you came through big pimp. You did not drop the ball yeah. when you needed to hold on to that slippery ball that's easy to drop sometimes. Yeah, bro. And like every element, like the way that you're shooting, just the essence that you brought, like you weren't like you know, you were just cool as shit. Uh-huh. You knew exactly like the type of uh, content that he was looking for you knew like the perfect places you know like with the pier I remember when we went to go shoot out like we that. along like the high rise also yeah and there was that, that huge uh, what was, was like a golf, golf range or uh, something you know it's, so it's over uh, what's what's it called um, yeah, the Hudson a, a spe- it's like, on the Hudson River like yeah. on the coast right over there oh are you talking about it's like, a golf course the, that Chelsea like, Piers oh the Chelsea, Chelsea Piers the Chelsea Piers yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's over there so, man. But I like in my head, I was like, okay, this guy has like, he had like forty, fifty thousand followers uh-huh. or something. I was like, I could. I was like focusing on like building my following and my personal uh-huh. brand. But I never thought I'd be able to make a career out of it at that point. I thought that it would always be like, you know, a side thing mm-hmm. or a way to you know make a little bit of money here and there. But I would never be able to make a full career off of doing this. So in my head, I was like, this guy, this guy Gerard is cool and all, but like, I'm going to shoot with him today and I'll, I'm never going to see him again. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm just going to be myself. Uh, hopefully, like, I don't, that's it. Like, which, I is, to, which, which is dope as shit, dog. Yeah, there were no expectations. I was just like, I just want to go take some photos, kick it, and meet this dude. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I mean, you, you could call it that. Maybe you, you're just naturally, if, whatever it was you brought to the table, that you bring to the table every single time, bro, that continues to captivate people, that's what it is, bro. Okay. You know, it's, 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 it's more than just the, the art. You know, it's a combination of personality. It's a combination oh, wow. of, like, all these things that come together for someone to look at you and just be like, yeah, he's that dude. Yeah, because, you know? I mean, being able to catch a good photo of someone, like, if I'm going to take a photo of you right now, it's not as easy as, oh, I've got the 24 to 70, I've got the A7 III. That stuff, it helps you, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter at the end of the day because if I catch a moment where you're just like, I'm just like, all right, cow, smile, yes. chink, and he's like that, that's one photo. Mm-hmm. If I can, like, you know, talk to you, get you to, you know, laugh or something and catch a candid moment, that Capture photo, in that essence, you're going to feel... You know, like, you know Cal, you're going to, like, feel the emotion. Yeah, it's so special. The emotion attached to the photo, that's, like, what gives it the oomph. Because it's, like, not just a photo. Uh It's, like, there's a story. Like, Mm -hmm. why is Cal laughing? Why is, oh, he's got a great smile. Oh, what champ, what, where did he get that shirt from? It, like, upraises so many questions. Mm -hmm. So. No, it's definitely dope, though. So, okay, so after that shoot... I dipped back to Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you stayed because you were living out there. I was yep. just visiting. Mm -hmm. so, and then two weeks left, later, I moved to New Jersey. Uh huh. Yep. And that, that's when I got into the shack. Oh, okay. So talk us through like moving to New Jersey, mm -hmm. where in New Jersey, and what the place was like that you moved to because yeah. I, that place was like, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. So when I was, after about a week of staying in Harlem, I made the transition to New Jersey because Gerard had started Founders out there. And apparently there was a place that I could stay, you know, which was super nice of Gerard to organize and put together. So I was like, dude, sick. I don't care if it's a freaking, you know, it's an office room. I don't care. Yeah, so I get there and it honestly wasn't like all that bad, but it was a basement of a Boost Mobile store. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know Newark, New Jersey, well, it's getting a lot better, progressively getting better. There's areas that are rising. Yeah. Other ones are... Whole Foods yeah. came in. Whole Foods, Starbucks. yeah. There's some cool stuff. But there, Newark is not the most ideal. Um, it's a pretty dangerous yeah, area. It, it's yeah, it's pretty dangerous. They have, like, they lead, well, at least for a while, I don't know if they still do, they're leading the nation with, like, car theft, yeah. um, some other things. There's, like, a lot of gang activity and stuff like that, um, which I thought was cool, like, a lot of the time, too, because, like, it gave me, it opened my perspective so wide. It just added so much complexity to my idea of what it's like to be raised, you know, yeah. from my perspective and other people's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I was staying in this Boost Mobile store basement, and it was super ghetto, this place, and um, there was like cockroaches and yeah. mice, and, and mice behind the toilet. yeah, just like I disgusting. I remember at least three consistent uh, mice that just Yeah, out. and here I am like on Instagram showing that like I'm not living like that, yeah. just so I can continue to fulfill this idea that of myself, yeah, that I had created for everyone else, you know? So it was really just like this contradicting, like, you know, I was trying, I wasn't really owning where I was at at the point in time, yeah. but I was, I was, I wasn't owning it to the world, but I was owning it personally, if that makes any sort of sense at all. Um, but yeah, and, and that's where you came to move out and you actually experienced Boost Mobile Store for a while. and. Adam did as well. Adam too. Yeah. And dude, I remember the the day that I, because I came out to, after I met Gerard, I went back to Utah. Then he hit me up. He was like, dude, whatever it takes, like, I want you on my team. I want you out here. I want you to, like, travel around and, like, you know, do, like, help me with content because, like, those photos were great. And I told Gerard no because I was like, I just bought a car. I got my girlfriend. Which was crazy. Yeah. That you had just done all that stuff. Uh -huh prior to him like it was a huge thing like a huge leap of courage for you to eventually totally because like, i was like you know um i had graduated with my associate's degree so i could dive straight into my major and skip all of the generals and all the bs and just like go right into the classes that had to do with like what i wanted to learn about and so jard was like okay it's still summer at this point so you initially met him like February, mm -hmm. and then when I flew out, it was uh, July, I believe. Um, so he's like, come out for a month, test the waters. If you like it, stay. If you don't, it's all good. We can stay friends. 
I was like, okay, great. So he bought me a flight, whatever. Fly out here. I land in Newark. It's like 10, 10.30 at night. Gerard's not answering his phone. <laughs> I'm trying to hit up Cal, and you were, your phone was dead or something. And so I'm chilling in the Newark airport. <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going. Like, what is up? Eventually, we, we connect. Uh, I caught an Uber. Mm -hmm. Took an Uber to the Boost Mobile store. <laughs> I, I look at the, I look at the, the Boost Mobile store. I'm like... Okay, where am I even going to sleep? There were no blankets, no pillows, no bed. All I saw, <laughs> there was this plastic folding table that I just laid out. And I remember, like, you know, trying to lay on the table with, you know, it cut off at my knees, my legs hanging off. Because I didn't want to sleep on the floor with the rats and the cockroaches. I'm like, okay, there's no way I can do this tonight. We ended up, uh... We, we didn't have a car. Ubered again so, to Walmart. Yeah, we Ubered to Walmart. <laughs> we had to make sure to tell our Uber driver, yo, wait here, we'll be back in like 10 minutes. Do our grocery shopping or get a like, $8 mattress. Get a little $8 mattress. <laughs> oh, man. But like at one point, um, how many people did we have in the Boost Mobile store? We had Dude. me, Ashley, Adam, you, um, Dominic, Lance. And uh, Shaq. Yeah. That's crazy. At the max. And this is a one bedroom. Yeah. And apartment. it's not even a real apartment. This is like an office space with a bathroom. Yeah. And like a half kitchenette. Yeah. Uh huh. Holy crap. I cannot believe that we did that. Yeah. Dude. Like looking back, it's like, dude, holy crap. To be in that situation, you couldn't even pay me yeah. X amount of money. You know? I, I mean, I remember just like, you know, we would hear. You know, gang whistles, gunshots, like, yeah. on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And in the daytime, we're out going to the chicken shack, hanging out with, you know, our boy Shaq, who's showing us around the hood, yeah. introducing us to, like, his friends, his family members, and, like, we're just, you know, two, two white boys out here <laughs> right now trying to figure this out. Walk around Newark, like, what? You can totally tell we're not from around there. Yeah. People oh. are just walking up to us like, yo, what's up, Justin Bieber? You're like, what? Dude, we would go to the McDonald's in the, like, uh, by ShopRite, and they would like say, like, are you guys lost? <laughs> or they would like, you know, think that we missed New York or something and ended up in Newark. They were like, got even confused or something. Yeah, you know you're in a real place yeah. when the end of every conversation ends with, be safe out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be yeah. safe. Be safe. Be safe. I heard that like a million times. Every yeah. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. I'm like, from what? What you know? What is there to you know? But the crazy thing is that nothing ever in Newark specifically. Well, I mean, you had kind of a, an encounter and stuff, but like we were pretty prone to, you know, like. Like, we were pretty vulnerable. <laughs> we had no money. We were walking, like, a mile or two a day to get to the office and back. Like, every sometimes, morning, yeah, every morning. You know, six, like, we were some pretty vulnerable dudes. Like, if someone really wanted to, they could have easily just came up to us and been like, yo, bro, um, give me all your stuff. <laughs> you know? And we were like, yeah, uh, Arizona tea. half a ham and cheese, you know, yeah. that was, yeah. yeah, dude, our meals were so hysterical out there, yeah. like, you know, the bodega sandwiches, just constant, day, ramen, 
once we moved into the place right next to the corner store, yeah. the, when we all moved together, yeah. I was like, every meal was coming from the corner store. Yeah, and that was a cool little transition, even though like the amount of people didn't change. Yeah. Yeah. It got yeah. more, when you we, know? When we first moved in there, I was like the new one into that space. Like you guys were all established, whatever. I slept in the kitchen on a mattress for like two weeks. Wow. And I shared it with uh, Jarrett. <laughs> so it wasn't just like me in the kitchen alone. Like that's bad enough. It was like I shared the kitchen. Wow. And like just for everyone, for some context, like there's our front door. You walk in, and there's the kitchen. Yeah, it's like yeah, right, there's there. no like, it's just right there, you know? So anyone that comes in for like midnight snacks, interruption, anyone that comes in through the door, interu- yeah. like interruption. Yeah. Yeah. So it must have been so awkward just like yeah. being there and just like yeah, just, not really knowing the people around you either. Yeah. And just kind of like, uh, yeah. hey. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, so fun just like all of us living like in the same environment and getting to know each other like on a super deep level was super freaking dope Mm -hmm. because at one point you know we had our room was like probably from like that pillar wasn't very wide and we had you know my bed on the against the right wall my air mattress (laughs) Truman was lucky enough to have a real twin size mattress and then we had uh, your air mattress. We had like all three. <laughs> there wasn't even enough room for all of our like beds to fit next to each other. That's how small the room was. Yeah. And we lived like that. And clothes everywhere, like closets just packed. Like around. that. Yeah, that apartment. Like right now, I, I pride myself on being pretty clean and tidy and organized. But back then, it was like there was like so many people living in that apartment. <laughs> You'd no option. Like if I would have took on the responsibility of anything, it just would have never. So I just gave up. And so all of our stuff was just everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, man, that was so stressful. But, like, waking up and, like, you're in your closet. Like, <laughs> your closet's just, like, everywhere. Like, Dude. <laughs> but, see, those are the things that, you know, I'm glad that we're having this discussion right now so people can understand, like, that to get us to where we're at right now and, like, Gosh, we both know how much further we have yeah, to go. Um, but what we had to go through to, like, come to these realizations, yeah. it's not just, like, fun and games. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like there's true levels of sacrifice that you have to put up with that suck, mm-hmm. that freaking suck, you know? And you can either turn it into comedy or you can live the reality of the horror, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's always good. That, it's good that we always seem to make comedy out of our situations you know and like for me like what made the difficult situations worth it was the fulfillment because waking up every day doing what I love to do and knowing that like I'm working towards my future and my personal goals like I'm not working a regular job where I'm making some other dude money and I'm staying stagnant I'm like every day learning from a mentor you know working my hardest and like that like the fulfillment that like even still like every single day how good it feels to just like know that like what we're doing today is up to us Mm -hmm. and our future is in like our hands Mm -hmm. nobody else made it all worth it like i like wouldn't change because you can't buy that you can't buy it yeah you can't buy the fact that this whole reality is just a game 
Like you can't buy that understanding. You either believe it or you don't, you know? Yeah. And if you believe it, you're, you play the game and you, you know, you are on your own in this world and just like you guys do, you go out and build and you do things and you make things happen. But if you're not about that life, you know, you get, you know, you get the job or whatever and you kind of let your creative side slowly drift away, you know, you know, yeah. but that's, the, that's what the sacrifice brings is that fulfillment, it, mm -hmm. you know, it's in the right, in the right category. And, you know, different people have their different priorities, you know, mm -hmm. like it might totally make sense for someone to work a nine to five if they have to, you know, consistently provide for a wife and kids and like mm -hmm. family and like have responsibilities. But the three of us were lucky enough where we were able to dive into something with very little responsibilities or like mm -hmm. that we could just like risk it and the only thing at risk was like me personally yeah. like by me going out to new york and like sticking my head out and doing all this stuff worst case scenario is like you end up back in utah i end up back in utah mm -hmm. so but i want to hear a little bit about like what you're doing right now mm -hmm. and where your uh efforts are kind of focused cool yeah so um and in the tail end of me living in New York, when I started to kind of have an, some sort of personal awakening to who I was, you know, supposed to become after I, you know, had evolved, um, I started going super deep into just studying and reading, understanding philosophy and understanding more about the mind and understanding more about human desire and human nature and this reality, you know, that we all see. Um, and, and I literally, that was all I was focused on. I didn't really care about creating a project or like anything. I just barely, I left New York and when I left New York, I left everything. Like I, I was in this place where like I had a business, I felt kind of, you know, like I had reached some level of success, but I was so sad and like, I felt like I had no direction to run to and I felt trapped you know so when I left I left hard like I left everything everything I owned down I literally just left with one duffel bag which was insane but um, I felt so liberated like the second I left New York and don't get me wrong I loved like the place the city the state and everything but I think it was just a combination of so many different things for me that when I when I left it like opened this new gateway to, to a future version of myself um, so I've been looking at the world through a, through a hue or through a perspective of art, you know, and trying to focus on everything that's in front of me as its own particular art form, you know, whether that's writing or whether that's um, it, me doing marketing, you know, for clients or whether that's um, putting together a strategic business plan for something I want to create in the future. Um, you know, just looking at it with that perspective of art and also including um, spirituality, you know, into my, my beliefs and my core values and my fundamentals, you know, it's something that I felt, um, has always been kind of a part of me, you know, but I've had a hard time giving credit to it, like spirituality and all these different things. But now that I have kind of dug deep into writing and understanding people that have come before us, I understand how, um, how important it is to get creativity and to be able to you know, just be a vessel of, of creation, you know, um, and, and a few books, like, literally changed my whole entire life, you know, and, yeah, so, 
this is actually kind of cool because I don't really tell like a ton of people about like what I've studied to kind of get myself to where I'm at now mentally. Um, but I'll tell anyone that asks, of course. So the one book that I read that kind of got me on this whole, you know, uh, truth seeking journey of just trying to understand my truth within reality is um, Walter Russell. So Walter Russell is someone that was known as the Renaissance man of the 20th century. And he was born in the late 1800s and died um, somewhere in mid 1900s. And he was a philosopher, a painter, an artist. Um, he was a musician. He was a, an ice skater. He was a scientist. He was whatever he put his mind to. And he, Walter Russell um, was known as the man who tapped the secrets of the universe. And because of that, another guy went ahead and wrote a book about Walter Russell. Um, and it's basically just a biography about his life, the way that he looks at life, and all the, way that he, all the ways he gets inspiration. Yeah. And that book is called The Man That Tapped the Secrets of the Universe by Glenn Clark. And it's about 100 pages long. And holy cow, it changed everything for me. And like as soon as I read that book... Like, all the previous stuff that I had done totally made sense, like, mm -hmm. on how it came, like, from nothing, you know, from being a thought form of energy, you know, that I could visualize inside my head, yeah. to now bringing physical form to these ideas, yeah. you know? And it's the same thing that Nikola Tesla did. It's the same thing that all the greatest inventors, all the greatest innovators, they all have done this. And it takes reading and understanding, and it takes diving deep into the history of the greatest people that have ever lived to understand what got them to that conscious level to be worthy to receive the ideas that went on to change the world, right? And the cool thing about it is, is that these people that are so, um, such tastemakers within this reality, they want to share what they have, right? And, and I started to realize, like, you know, I started asking myself, why do I read books? And I, I say this because I wish more people would just grasp this because when I did it was my whole world changed uh -huh. a book is literally just a collection of someone's thought energy right that they have, may have taken years and years and years and years of thought mm -hmm. to gather to then go on and put form to it to create a three-dimensional book a three-dimensional piece of whatever it is right and we can go through and in minutes understand what someone took a whole lifetime to understand mm -hmm. and that is why i read it's because people the, the the secrets of the universe right or universal law and all these different elements that come together spirituality all these things there's there's a trail that's left success leaves secrets and it leaves clues and if you're able to identify the people that you aspire to be like and then climb down that rabbit hole and find those clues. Like, for example, Steve Jobs, um, at his funeral, he gave everyone a book called The Autobiography of a Yogi. And this is a book. was reading that one. Yeah, and Steve Jobs suggests it to everyone. You can literally look online, like, what book does Steve Jobs suggest you read? Well, he's dead, or what did he? And that book will pop up. That book's like five bucks. You go read that book, you'll be shocked and then you'll start to understand 
why Steve Jobs is Steve Jobs. You'll understand that Steve Jobs went to India for six months yeah. back in his college days to seek enlightenment, mm -hmm. right? And who knows if he found enlightenment or not, but he came back and he started Apple, you know? Phil Knight, same thing, right? Yeah. He went across the world, he went and maybe not seeked enlightenment the same way, but went out there to, do, to go discover truth, yeah. you know? And goes on, he wrote a book, he talks about it. He wants to share it, you know? These people want people to, they want to inspire creation, you know? They want that to be a thing, you know? And it's our job as creators and creatives to analyze the people that came before us, yeah. to save ourselves so much pain and agony to go on and create with what's already there, you, you know? know? I think that's uh, crucial, especially in the information age that we're now in, because I find myself, like, uh, a lot of it's like ego, too. Like, I'll start a new task and I'll try to figure it out myself. I'm like, I can just YouTube a tutorial on how to do this, or I can, like, look up a book or listen to a podcast, even if someone else talking about this. I can see what they thought of it, add my own spice onto it, and then I'll get it done. Mm -hmm. But, like, why am I going to start from ground zero and work my way up when this person's already at seven, getting to ten, and I can just hop on and yeah, up? yeah, and it's and it's logical and it's smart and it's what they want you to do. It's what the people want you to do. Mm -hmm. They want you to. It it makes you feel good to know that you've helped someone, even if you're already dead. And this whole idea of immortality, of being able to live after you die, where the only way to be immortal is to create work that lasts after you go, mm -hmm. right? Because Michael Jackson, he's maybe gone, but his spirit still lives. Yeah. His music still plays. Mm -hmm. The art and the things that he put time into creating still exist. Therefore, his name is still in rotation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And totally. same goes all the way back to Marcus Aurelius, mm -hmm. who ran the Roman Empire, you know, and, and wrote about it. He yeah. wrote a book, Meditations. Yeah, and he writes about it, and look, because he took the time to write a journal basically to himself and just his philosophies of life and all the dots that he connected, now people thousands of years later are still saying his name and still living through his spirit by understanding his words. You know what I'm saying? And, and for me, that's what I want. Like that's, that's a desire for me is, is to be able to leave the earth knowing that I left something behind that will go on to continue to inspire creation, you know? That's, that's like an ultimate goal of mine, you know? Because um, it would be a real sad reality to leave the earth and not have made a mark mm -hmm. and not have made a footprint, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's like one of my biggest fears and I'm doing something about it. Like I'm making sure that that's not the case for me, you know? And I think everyone should be whether you're in a job whether you're yeah. doing whatever just dive just dive deeper to understand more about who you are and what you want out of life you know because at the end of the day i'm i'm like the truest testimony of this you will always get what you need always you won't always get what you want but you'll always get what you need and if you knew this as a hundred percent truth in your mind would you ever go work a job would you? If you knew no that regardless of what you do, that if you're, if, if you're focused, that your needs will be met, yeah. would you go work a job? No. Would you go do this? No. Well, guess what? I know that. That's why I've never worked a job. I've gone three months without having zero, one dollar of income. 
You know what I'm saying? But guess what? My needs are still met. Yeah. How? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain it. It's a phenomenon that I cannot explain. But if you know this, it's so, it's, it's insane. And don't get me wrong, people have their own set of uh, variables in life, right? You can't pick those, some things, you know? But the idea is that, you know, if you can put yourself and be comfortable knowing that, you know, if you can live without money for three months, yeah. and sure, like, you won't get the steak meal, but someone will, and you'll get the leftovers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And while you're in this, like, little downtime, you'll start to appreciate the steak when it comes back around. Yeah, and, and if you continue to, like, everything's based on stats, statistics. The reason that parents want you to go in a certain direction is because they haven't seen you prove the stats that you can go in another direction. And as soon as you prove the stats, they shut up. So anyone that is has a parent problem or anything, wanting them to go in the right direction, just show stats. Just show them, like, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. If you don't show stats, expect them to keep, you know, yeah. keep driving on you. Um, but build those stats, and when you do build those stats, um, and I'm saying that kind of like, you know, stats could be anything, um, but if you get, like, if you build the stats, then when you're in those downspouts, people will support you. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. yeah. they believe on you based on your previous stats. Yeah. So it's cool for me to be in this downspot, even though it's embarrassing at some points, like, you know, when, when you've just restarted and you don't really know where to go next or it can be embarrassing, but it's actually kind of liberating knowing that you can go anywhere that you desire. Yeah. You know, that there is no rule book, mm -hmm. that you can do anything you want to do and that all you have to do is figure out how to see it here to be able to then create it here, you know? And, and that's it. That's it. That's this whole game. Like, that's this whole magical game, yeah. you know? And... I'm, I look at it and I'm thinking to myself, why would I be on this earth not to play? Like, and whether or not this whole game even means anything, no one knows. Uh -huh. yeah. it, could not, it could literally just mean the same way a, a, a flower blooms and it dies. It doesn't mean anything, but it's, it's energy that's uh -huh. dancing. Yeah. You know, all of us are just this energy that's dancing and whatever we create is energy and it dances. But at the end, when we die it may not even mean anything. We may just be, what Jim Carrey says, a bunch of people just in this world of energy that's just playing and dancing mm -hmm. for itself, mm -hmm. to entertain itself, yeah. you know? And once you get that perspective on life, it's so fun, because then you start to think to yourself, dude, like, it's almost like you feel like you have some sort of superpower, yeah. you know, that you have the ability to just be like, uh -huh. you know, and, and gather the th correct thought energy to bring anything that you desire into this world, yeah. you know, and bring it into fruition. Have you ever read The Game of Life and How to Play It? No, I haven't. All right, check that one out. I, who's it by? I think it's like Lawrence Shane or something. I don't know. If you type in that title on Google, you'll find it, but it's like that same idea. Just like, Dope. Yeah, take big risks and stuff. Yeah, because what's the point, you know? Yeah. What's the point otherwise? Like, mm -hmm. we're, we're here to play a game, you know? And whether or not it means anything, Screw it. That's not for us to decide. But yeah. it's better than, like, if there, isn't, if, if there isn't a game, like, I would like to think there is one mm -hmm. because it gives me another route to run besides just falling into this machine, you know, in which, you know, 
you know, whatever it might be for your particular self, but just getting in that repetitive machine that just moves you further and further away from that version of yourself that empowers you, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Dude, and, you know, if you have that you can do whatever you want mentality and you surround yourself with other people that have a you can do whatever you want mentality, then you can 100, like, there's no excuse. Yeah. You know, it's and like, and people see that too. Yeah, mm -hmm. and growing up, people always are saying like, "You can do whatever you want, life, blah blah." And it's like you always hear that, but ne it never like hits until you're doing whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Know? And it's hard to explain, but it's like one of the best feelings ever. Mm -hmm. I'm the happiest I've ever been. And it's weird too, because we're in this spot in this age right now, where like 20 to 30 you have, you come to the fork. Yeah. You come to the fork. Mm -hmm. And you're there. And you can either be average as shit or not average as shit. Mm -hmm. And go way beyond what you ever thought you could. Yeah, you know, and there's this fork right here, dude. And I'm not someone to ever identify what direction other people have taken. Mm -hmm. But I know that I have seen this route to being average. Yeah. It's tempted me so many times, dude, oh, yeah. just to just to go and just like, you know, it, it's been so tempting, mm -hmm. like that, that fork. And most people will just do it. They'll just say, my run's it's over. The, it's like the, it's like guaranteed option, you know, like yeah, this, it's safe this is yeah. like you come to the fork in the road and there's like the, uh, the one side on the right side, it has like. Uh, guide. It's like McDonald's guides there. all the way. There's signs that say like what you're dealing. You know, yep. you get to this one, you get a house, mortgage, whatever. You know, get married. On the left side, it's like foggy. There's like nothing. You can't see anything more than ten feet in front of you. There's a life. sign that says, "You sure you're trying to go down this <laughs> yeah. road, bro?" It's not too late to turn back. And it's so funny because it's like you would think that if it was a life and death situation that the one with signs would mean life and the one with darkness and fog would mean death, yeah. but it's actually the opposite. Yeah. It's the total opposite. It's life the total is in the opposite. unknown. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's like, uh, like we were at Top Golf yesterday. It's kind of like the, it's the analogy of like when you're teeing off, the slightest uh, turn of your golf thing is gonna make the Absolutely. thing go wild. So like at the, like the differences between going over here and there is just like, at, here it's turning a slight bit and so like when you're starting on this path this it's like the distance here is not that great but then yeah. when you're 50 like the choices, yeah, you, that, you've you've made, like, so the choices that you made in your early 20s are gonna put you ahead mm -hmm. of the masses and that but right now it's like you look across from the other path and you're like oh, looks man, nice yeah it looks kind of nice looks like, cool, i got nice. buddies that are my age that have homes back in 100k a year, 150k a year. Yeah, like, they're chilling, you know, but, and then I'm like, it's kind of nice. Seems but, nice, yeah. But it's funny because, like, uh, they're doing the same thing. It's like the grass is always greener, you know? It's yeah. like I go back and they're like, dude, you were in LA last week, like, doing all this uh -huh. stuff. Like, what are you doing? You know? But mm -hmm. so it's like, you just have to love where you're at and yeah. be That reminds me of a, journey. of a quote. I can't remember who it's by, but the, it says that the average person. Um, dies at 25 and is buried yeah. at 75. Yeah. So that's a super powerful quote that kind of gave me perspective and saying, damn, at some point 
throughout this 20 year, you know, 20 to 30 years old period of my life, the average person is just going to yeah. lay down. I'm 25 you know? right now. Yeah, and so just going to say, you know, it's it over. Yeah. So that's one thing you got to be cautious of is like, you got to keep swinging, dog, regardless yeah. of this, this thing called age and, you know, this thing called failure. Look, that's like, I think a great message to wrap this conversation up Absolutely. with. And, you know, this is, I don't know the exact quote. I have it written on my mirror so that I read this every single day because I think it's so important. And it's a quote from Phil Knight in Shoe Dog where he says, the one piece of advice that anybody should give is, like, don't stop. And, like, I think that's so powerful because Absolutely. there have been so many times where with, you know, growing Temple Mill or you know, going out to New York, starting my career, whatever, where it would have been so easy to fly back home to Utah. So easy to stay in my bed. It would have been, you know, whatever. It would have been so easy to stay working with Gerard. The hard thing to do was leave Gerard's comfort, move to Los Angeles, and start our own company mm -hmm. because we got too comfortable outside of our comfort zones and had to push it even farther. Yeah, that's so, what it's all about. Don't so, stop. Don't stop. Stay in motion, baby. Yeah. Stay in motion. That's the potion. Well, Cal, this has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you coming and sharing your knowledge and insight. Hopefully, this is only the first, so we'll dive into more of these stories on a later podcast. But Where can people find you if they want to find you? Yeah, so my Instagram, I think, right now is CalThinks, okay. so just K-A-L. Thanks, and I think I'm the same on Twitter. Um, although I have like deleted majority of my content, but if you want to reach me, just message me. Uh, um, I'm sure that I'll create some new content eventually. Um, right. But yeah, thank you guys for having me here on the podcast. Of course. Like, super cool. I love these conversations. Um, and it was cool that, like, for the first time probably in my existence ever, that we're able to capture a conversation like this. Yeah. We have these. We've had so many. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Yeah. Of Super stoked. All right. All right, guys. <laughs> well, hope you enjoyed the interview, and we will see you on the next one.